Now, today, before we leave the air, we will broadcast another quotation, and we will invite you to email us the name of the author, as you perceive him or her to be. Just simply write info at bartsbooks.com. That's I-N-F-O at B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S dot com. And if you're right, we will announce your name on the air and send you one of our books. The author of last week's quote, that is the individual who said, it's easy to make a buck, it's a lot tougher to make a difference, was none other than NBC's Tom Brokaw, broadcast journalist who truly made a difference in how many of us view this world. Now, let us dig into today's feast and call upon the expertise of that innovative vintner, maker of fine wines, and president of the Garden State Wine Growers Association, Mr. Larry Sharon. Larry, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Bart. Thanks for having me today. Oh, great, great. Glad you could come. Now, Larry, as I understand it, uh, depending on how, how uh, as I count it, uh, Sharrett Winery is celebrating its 10th anniversary. So good for you. My congratulations. And I, understand, I want you folks to know that uh, Larry has just come in from crushing the Vidal grapes and the Shiraz earlier in today, so he has wiped off his feet and he's going to come in. And Larry, could you tell us a little bit about uh, what it took to launch this winery and what was some of your part in it? Yeah, there's, there's a heck of a lot that goes into getting a winery started. Um, in New uh-huh. Jersey, you're also required to be a, a farmer as well. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, in order to have a winery license, you also have to have a minimum of three acres of grapes. Um, so that's, I that, that immediately makes you uh, a farmer as well as a uh, winemaker. Uh huh. <laughs> oh God, that's so that takes that takes a lot. And you had yeah. some family help though, as I understand it, right? Your dad was in there. Yeah, I certainly did. Uh, both both me and my father father are partners in the business, and uh, like uh-huh. you said, about ten years ago, we uh, purchased. Um, 34 acres of farmland in uh, uh-huh. New Jersey, which took us about four years to find a suitable piece of property. Um, oh, from man. there, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> from from there we started planting grapes. Uh, you know, a, a year or two later, um, and uh-huh. uh, put in uh, actually put in four acres of grapes, uh, and then uh, we moved on to uh, uh, building the winery and coming up with plans for uh, fermenta- fermentation tanks and uh, visitors rooms. Oh, that's great. Well, you really have come a long way. I remember when I first drove out there, and I know what you're like, what you're like now. You have certainly done a lot. Larry, we all love to drink it. We all do. But most folks really do not know what goes into making wine. And I was wondering if you could just uh, give us a little brief thumbnail sketch of what goes on uh, in one year around the vineyard, from the fruit pinching to leaf pulling to pruning. Get, what's the executive summary of, of one year that leads up to harvest? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a tremendous number of steps. Um, kind of the broad strokes is obviously once the grapes have been uh, in the ground for about three years is when they start producing their first fruit. Um, in the uh, in the winter time, we start off by pruning. Uh, so this is the process right. of basically cutting off all of the uh, last year's growth um, uh-huh. and putting the vines kind of back into shape as we want them. Um, then uh, uh, we we begin the uh, spring season uh, with bud break. Um, we have to do a number of different things to protect the vines from uh, the different uh, diseases and such that are in the vineyard. Um, oh, and then, sure, sure. Uh, yeah, yeah we, do, we do shoot positioning where 
Um, if you come out to the vineyard, you've probably seen it. All the, the uh, nice shoots are standing up tall within the trellis. So um, every single shoot. Yeah, they they don't get play. there on their own, do they? No, <laughs> no. no. If, if there's somebody out there, um, you know, in, in the case of my vineyard, I have nine acres. If there's multiple people out there, and they, they call that combing, where they actually mm. um, go through and they, and they basically comb all of the, the uh, shoots up into the, the uh, trellis. Um, oh, my God. From gosh, there, like, you, like you mentioned, yeah, from there, like you mentioned, what we do is we uh, um, we actually fruit thin to reduce our crop uh-huh. um, because, you know, a, a certain level of crop um, is the best quality that you're looking for. Um, right, you know, then, right. Then uh, as the season goes right. on, we're doing, uh, we're doing hedging in the vineyard uh, to keep everything, you know, you want the entire canopy to be exposed to the sun in even amount uh, for even ripening mm-hmm. of the, of the uh, grapes. Um, and then uh, it into harvest, where uh, at my vineyard, everything's hand-harvested. Uh-huh. My gosh. So I want you folks out there who think, oh, wouldn't it be lovely to escape into the bucolic scenery? Yeah, uh, just think a little bit what Larry's told you here. And uh, I don't mean to scare you away, but sometimes, in many ways, that desk job may not be seem so terrible. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I don't know. It's uh, It's... I have a small hobby vineyard, and I love it, but I also my uh, income and life is not dependent. Larry, yeah. uh, help us out. I just want to – I'm sorry? And, and in a winery, of course, after all that's done, uh, our work has just begun because once the grapes get to the winery, the whole winemaking process starts. <laughs> oh, God. Well, we'll get to that in a moment, but I, I want to just go back out to the vineyard a minute. If I have – just so I can get the, the idea of the volume, or if the folks can understand this here. If I have one acre of grapes, about how many tons will I get, and what does that translate into numbers of bottles of wine with all that growing, growing and pruning and harvesting and crushing? How much is that going to yield me? For wine grapes, you're really talking somewhere between um, two and five tons uh, an acre. Um, but on wow, average, you're wow. talking about, about three tons an acre. Okay. Um, and and those three times will turn into about 2,500 bottles. Oh, my goodness. So that should, I mean, that could see my fraternity through the weekend, probably. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. That's good. At least for Saturday night. At least for Saturday, right. Absolutely. <laughs> now, from an agricultural standpoint, I know wine means money. I know that a farmer can get more dollars per acre out of wine grapes than just about anything, including medical marijuana, Right. Yeah, you, you're, we're actually right now we're, we're starting to see um, certain growers uh, that were, you know, uh, good crops in New Jersey um, reducing, uh-huh. and they're starting to plant grapes. Uh, one of the main things we're seeing is uh, the price of peaches has gotten so low that you can't really make any money off peaches anymore. Uh, so no uh, a lot of orchards, yeah, a lot of a lot of uh, peach groves are being um, torn out, and some of them are converting to grapes because there is a good market there. Well, I I know I know uh, Bill and Penny Heritage did that, and and um, some uh, Bell Plain and a, a lot of the old several generation farms have made the transition for that reason, and that all seems wonderful. But uh, wine is kind of like a Damoclesian sword, right? I mean, at any moment. The weather can wreak havoc on a crop. Take this year. I mean, I, the idea of myself coming home and saying to my wife, well, dear, we're, we're going to lose about 50% of the money I was planning to make for my job this year. That, that, that's terrifying, <laughs> you know. And yet it, it, it could happen to, to anyone who owns a vineyard. 
and um, I know this year it, it was it was a lot of troubles with with the crazy weather. Um, what are some of the threats that you do face uh, from from weather and other things? Yeah, one of the one of the uh, best things I've heard about uh, farming in general um, is that mm-hmm. you know a vineyard is in partnership with Mother Nature, um, but unfortunately right. she's the senior partner. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. Right. Oh, good. Uh, yeah, when, when it comes when it comes to grapes, um, really weather is kind of our biggest our biggest uh, um, concern. Um, you know, it's either it's either wonderful or or it could be bad. Um, this season, uh, the quality of the, of the um, grapes coming in is is very good. We've had a great growing season. I always joke um, with people who come into the winery, and I tell them if my grass is dead, um, I'm very happy because uh, typically the drier it is. Um, the better the quality is going to be for grapes. Um, oh, yeah. So this season's well, been, I know grapes yeah, like this, dry feet. So, yep. So this so, season's um, been very dry, yeah. so the quality is great. But like you said, um, we had a very, very cold winter. If you remember the whole discussion about polar vortexes in, in January, um, right, we, lost, right, okay. uh, we lost about a third of our vineyard um, to cold. Oh, no, so, Larry. Yeah, we we got down to negative eight in January, which is much much colder oh, than than very typical yeah. around here. Um, and great set to get mm. down below zero, you start losing class. Oh my gosh, that that's wow! Our condolences on that one. I think you're marvelous to come on the show and still keep going with things and and not let that daunt you. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, I. I would like to just hold that out as a quill pen moment right here. What Larry said, he's he's here, he's going ahead with it, he's taking his vine forward, and he's just lost a third. And I think all of us should sort of take realize that uh, the hand of fate is not supposed to play us an evenly and well hand based on how hard we try or how attractive we are. And that the job of anyone in any business is to move forward and deal with fate on its terms. So thank you for bringing that up, Larry. Um, Larry, when I wrote the uh, first edition of the Garden State Wineries Guide, that was back in 2008. That was you were you were fairly new on the scene at that time, actually. But there were 36 wineries in New Jersey. Now I know we have many more. Uh, and could you tell me why wine is growing so fast? Why wine wineries are growing so fast, and why is it the fastest uh, form of agri- fastest growing form of uh, agriculture in the state? Yeah, um, we've seen tremendous growth uh, in the last decade. Uh, the number of wineries in the state have actually doubled. Um, so, gosh, uh, we've, we've gone wonderful. from uh, less than twenty-five wineries uh, ten years ago to now we have over fifty. Um, oh, one of the reasons, like, like uh, you know, one of the reasons, like we just we just talked about a few minutes ago, is is the the value of um, the crops. Um, grapes obviously mm, are a much right, higher right. value than than say corn or uh, even peaches now. Um, you know, so uh-huh. that's one reason we're we're starting to see multi generational farmers uh, converting over mm. to grapes. Um, the second yeah, reason I really think sense. is this. Yeah, the second reason I think really is just we've sort of reached a tipping point. Um, there's a, a lot of other regions on the East Coast. Um, you know, we uh-huh. talked about the Finger Lakes. Um, right, we about right. Uh, the North Fork of Long Island and Virginia. Um, yeah, these Virginia areas have grown substantially. Right, and, and, they've, and they've begun to make a name for themselves. Um, New Jersey is really poised um, to do the same 
we're in, we're in a position right now where, where we've sort of reached um, a critical mass. We have enough wineries that people are starting to pay attention. So it's just sort of snowballing. Um, people are coming out. They're tasting the wines. They're realizing that the quality, um, even from, you know, 10 years ago, uh, has, has taken a huge leap forward. Um, and people are kind of getting on board with, with the, uh, you know, local wine, local grapes. Um, it's kind of a local food movement. Everything, everything all wrapped together. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, now, Larry, you're the president of the New Jersey Wine Growers Association, and I'd like you to—I'd like you to spell a myth right here, and I'd like you to set the record straight. Could you tell the folks here just briefly about the high, world-class quality wines that are available in the Garden State? We do make fine stuff, do we not? Oh, we certainly do. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm the chairman of the Garden State Wine Growers Association, um, so I get—I actually get a. a the, the nice opportunity to um, visit a number of the wineries sort of on a professional basis um, and uh, mm-hmm. to talk to other winemakers and such. Um, so, you know, I've, I've had the privilege of being able to go around and taste many of the wines that are being produced within the state. Uh, and i got to tell you, I mean, since we started in business in 2004 um, through now, the quality has increased dramatically. Um, oh, if you great. look at... If you look at almost any um, of the wineries' websites, you'll see major awards in major competitions um, in the country and even throughout the world. Um, our winery alone this year, we've taken best-in-class. Uh, we have three separate best-in-class awards. Um, we won one oh. at the state level, so we won the Governor's mm-hmm. Cup for our Vignol. Um, and then right. uh, we also, um, for our Pinot Grigio, we took best-in-class in two competitions. Um, wow. One wow. of them was the, uh, yeah, one of them was the Indianapolis, um, international wine competition, which had uh, about oh, 3,000 yeah, entries, um, and mm-hmm. we also had the Mid-Atlantic sure. competition. Yeah, so ah, a lot of wine is trying to produce wine. So. Yeah, <laughs> as it should be. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, loath as I am to, to stop talking to Lara here, we have reached the midpoint of our feast, and so I'm going to invite us all to take a brief sorbet for a moment, and it's time to introduce the company by whose good graces we are here today. And that firm is Prometheus Publishing. They're the creator of Bart's Books, Ultimate Business Guides, among other things. And you may visit bartsbooks.com, B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S.com, and explore a wide wealth of uh, practical wisdom from business masters within their volumes. Prometheus Publishing would like to invite you to uh, visit and take a look at two of their books specifically, Number one is The First Rule of Leadership by Dr. Stephen Payne, which guides you through a realm of self-discovery, really, and shows the true values of leadership that each of us possesses and may be hiding within ourselves. And another book, uh, which so many of our listeners uh, have been listening, is, as I mentioned earlier, The Garden State Wineries Guide, which provides you with with the descriptions of all New Jersey's wineries, uh, with their events, their specialties, uh, favorite wines of the winemakers, and directions on how to get there, plus a lot of intriguing stories. So if you'd like either book, please visit bartsbooks.com and browse the bookstore. So, ladies and gentlemen, and those who are listening to the radio in hopes of forgetting reality that you falsely believe you can escape from, we are back with the very entrepreneurial and insightful Larry Sherrod. Now, Larry, as I uh, as I understand it, New Jersey is ranks number sixth in wine production, but 
we rank absolutely the zenith, number one in wine consumption per capita. And my question to you is, why is that? Is it just that the New Jerseyans are just smarter? Is that what it is? I think we're just more sophisticated than the rest of the country. <laughs> ah, yes, yes. I think you're absolutely right. Excellent, excellent uh, insight there. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I, strangely enough, um, it, it's very interesting. When, when you uh, look at marketing, um, you, uh-huh. you kind of notice some certain things. And, uh, yeah, New Jersey is the, uh, is the number one per capita consumption of wine. Um, the other mm-hmm. thing that's interesting is that it pretty much seems that as long as you um, live in a state that borders uh, a very large body of water, and when I say that, either the Atlantic, Pacific Oceans, or um, the Great Lakes, uh, you tend to drink right. more wine uh, than other uh, types of beverages. So, uh, for no some kidding. Reason, that's, uh, <laughs> it's an interesting thing. Huh. My goodness, there's something about the connection of water and wine or something. I, my goodness, I, I didn't know that. Huh, that's yeah. fabulous. <laughs> An interesting little, um, little uh, tidbit. Well, you know, let's, let's, uh, the, the wine market, as you say, is exploding overall. And you, as a, as a winemaker, you've got to be both artist and businessman. Uh, how do you, okay, it's getting larger, but how do you yourself judge the market? That is, you've, you've got to, you look out there in the vineyard. You you have to plan according to what you think the people are 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 going to be wanting. How do you how do you sort of test test the market waters? I guess. Yeah, a lot of this has to do with, with trial and error more than anything. Um, you know, I mean, you, you can talk to some other wineries and and that kind of thing and sort of see what they're producing and what uh, what they tell you is selling strongly. Um, but ultimately, mm-hmm. uh, it kind of comes down to you know making some some judgments about what you think. Uh, might be uh, something that people would, would want to buy, um, and then right. producing it. Uh, and if it, if it does well, you continue to expand those areas. Um, so it, it's funny, in winemaking, um, you, you can't grow anything you want. Um, the, the grapes more or less tell you uh, what can grow in your area. Um, for us, we're very similar to the Bordeaux region. So uh, most of the I Bordeaux see. varieties, like uh, Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, mm-hmm. um, uh, Cabernet Franc, those types of grapes grow well here. Um, we couldn't yes, grow yes, Zinfandel. So even if uh, even if my customers wanted Zinfandel, I couldn't give it to them because uh, we just don't have the environment for it. That's interesting. I, I know the the other thing I know that that you can't do is is uh, you say grow what you want to do. You can't always grow the fine wines. I mean the ones that that are your your finest, the award winning, the most ele- elegant ones. Because aren't I right that about eighty five percent of the people who walk into a winery say, "What have you got that's sweet?" Uh, right or not? Yeah, I, it's that's interesting too because um, our tasting room has been open to the public since two thousand and eight. Uh, and I would say mm-hmm. that was 100% true in 2008. Mm. Um, the, the New Jersey um, wine drinker and the you know the customer who uh, is actually looking for New Jersey wine, uh, I believe, uh-huh. is, is pretty rapidly changing. Um, when we first oh, opened, really? we carried yeah, we, we we carried a couple of um, sweet wines and mostly dry stuff. Um, people came in every day asking for sweeter wine, so we we started making some sweet wines just to. You know, make make some money as well as make the things that I sure, like. Sure, sure. You know, I would I prefer, of course, the the uh, the drier wine. Um, but as uh, uh-huh. we kind of educate the customer and they they uh, learn more about um, you know what New Jersey has to offer, um, we've been seeing a shift. People are moving over to 
kind of the more traditional, you know, Cabernet Sauvignon, uh, Chardonnay, oh, and no. They're becoming more and more popular. No, so, no I, I kidding. Think, I so so the most sophisticated So the most sophisticated state in the union is becoming even more sophisticated. Isn't that marvelous? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think eventually we we may see some um wineries in New Jersey uh that produce either solely uh dry wines or or, or that's their major, you know, market. Um whereas yeah. again ten years ago, um many of the, the larger wineries in the state were producing, you know, probably ninety percent um, sweet wine. Hmm. Fascinating. So the so you but obviously here's a man who has kept very much aware of the market and made the shifts and he's willing to change the product to give the customer what the customer is looking for. Not a bad thing for all of us to remember. Larry, I'd like to go inside the winery for a moment. You you hinted to this that that once once it's all once the juice is squeezed and it's all sitting in the vat, there then the real magic uh, begins, or uh, or much more of the magic begin, and it's right here at harvest time. You've got things going into the vats. Uh, could you run us through the process of what it takes to make a truly fine wine, and what are some of the extra touches that, for instance, to to put on your uh, that you put into your award-winning uh, Pinot Grigio? Yeah, every every good winemaker knows that the wine is really made in the vineyard. So, um, you know, ingredient number one, obviously, is uh, is the right grapes. So that's the first. Right, but right. once you have the right grapes, um, there is a quite a bit that goes into making that wine. Um, you know, that that grape into the wine you're looking for. Um, as far as like a white wine, um, our process is really to do everything we can to maintain. Uh, kind of the bright fruitiness of that wine. So we're we're doing cool fermentation. Um, we have all of the um, equipment required to do uh, refrigeration on our tanks. Um, and then from there, we're, we're kind of handling the wine as gently as possible, and and sort of just ushering it along until we can until we can clarify and bottle it. Um, red wines are a little different story. Um, with those, of course, we start out by crushing the grapes. Um, we right. ferment on skins, which means that the, the skin, the pulp, the seeds, everything is, is included in the process. Um, we actually right. have uh, automated pump-over machines, um, so we can get maximum extraction from our fruit. Uh, so this, wow. you know, the, the best quality fruit comes in the door, and we, we do everything we can to, to make sure that we, we get everything out of it that we can. Um, and then from there, uh, really red wines, you, you can't make um, top-quality red wines without barrels. So the last step yeah, of our process yeah. for red wine is everything goes into oak uh, for between uh, 12 months to, to two years. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, well, and I know that uh, I've heard huge arguments about over light, medium, and heavy toasts and all this sort of thing for the barrels. And it's uh, it's there's all that art that goes into it. And yet what I still love is at come harvest time, you guys are all out there. Ben and low, clipping, picking by hand, uh, as has been done since the time of the ancient Greeks. So I think that's a it's a part of a, you're part of a fine tradition as well as as being on this <laughs> technical cutting edge. That's great. Now, Larry, uh, tell us, could uh, people? One of the great things about New Jersey wineries is 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 the wineries themselves that people can visit there. Now, I mean, ladies and gentlemen, you should know that. Uh, if you go to Sherrod's, it's one of the few places I know where you can not only stomp grapes barefoot, but you can also take part in a Lucille Ball look-alike contest. 
Larry, could you, uh, so before we go, could you tell us, uh, first of all, where people can buy Sherrod's wine, and then also where they can find out more about Garden State Wines, the events, and all the things that the wine growers are doing. Could you tell us that? Yeah, um, my wines obviously are available um, at the winery, which is located in Winslow, New Jersey, just outside of Hamilton. Um, so you can right. visit us uh, seven days a week um, and do a tasting. Um, we also have about uh, 100 different liquor stores throughout the South Jersey area. Um, and then lastly, of course, uh, with, with the new law that we got a few years ago passed, um, we can ship them directly to your door uh, by going to showerwinery.com. Um, if you want to find out more information about the uh, events going on uh, at my winery, you can visit charitwinery.com. Uh, if you're looking for events throughout the state, like the Garden State Wine Growers Association's uh, festivals um, or smaller events at individual wineries, you can visit newjerseywines.com. Okay. Well, Larry, this has been just wonderful. I thank you so much. I have learned a lot, and it, this has been very intriguing. And we're going to have to have you back again uh, when you're not so tied up in the harvesting. And so I thank you all. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, as we round out the show today, let me leave you with today's business quotation. If you are deliberately trying to create a future that is safe, you will willfully ignore the future that is likely. Who said that? And as as a hint, the author and business venturist who was uh, best who said that was best at predicting futures by making his own. And if you know that, know the name of that author, just send it to info at bartsbook.com. And as a parting shot, in the words of my wife's husband, listen to the words you want to say, the compassion you want to feel, and you'll be amazed at the wisdom you've been hiding inside. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, it has been a privilege. I thank you. <laughs>